listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Take Podcast episode 10. Uh, we are trying to actually record via three separate cha- audio channels because we're all in Dallas, Katy, Texas, and Waco, Texas. If you didn't know, uh, we've been recording the show via Skype. So uh, hopefully this time around, it sounds better. Probably not. The movie that we are doing a one takedown of, uh, it's been a week because I went home. Sorry about that. The movie we're doing a one takedown of is the Ryan Gosling Cinematic Universe. Uh, We have done, I think, three of his movies already. Um, This one, Sands Emma Stone. It is the 2011 classic Drive. 2011 classic? Classic? Yes, classic. Uh, Yeah, classic. All right, we're already going to argue about this. We're already going <laughs> to argue about this movie. Dex didn't like it. Just go ahead and throw that out there. You didn't like it. I didn't dislike it. I just don't ever plan on watching it again. It, eh. Was this was this the first time you ever watched it? This was the uh, first time watching this movie. I have heard a lot about it. I knew that it existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was on Netflix this entire time, but I had never seen it. Okay. Netflix is in this weird sort of period where a lot of their Disney stuff is transitioning off of uh, their platform. A lot of their Warner Brothers stuff is going to be transfer- uh, transferring off of their platform via uh, HBO. So they are literally trying to get any IP that they can. And this is an independent um, this is an independent film. I, I don't know who distributed this uh, widely. Was it like Lionsgate or something like that? I, I have no idea. Not that it matters, but that just shows you Netflix is just trying to get uh, get anything that keep people mm-hmm. on their platform and keep themselves from hemorrhaging money. But that being said, you can watch this on Netflix. Um, so let me just give you the synopsis real quick and we'll get into it. Drive came out in 2011. It is rated R. Uh, it was released in September of 2011. Kind of a weird period. Uh, for movies any time of the year, that September, October range. But the synopsis is a mysterious Hollywood stuntman and mechanic moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself in trouble when he helps out his neighbor in this action drama is directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, I think is how you pronounce his name. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, Jake, how do you pronounce it? I've always said Refn, but again, that's probably wrong <laughs> probably wrong it uh it is written by another guy i'm gonna mispronounce his name i think hosin amini uh it is based on a book by james sauce which i didn't know actually coming into this and uh-huh. it stars uh a handful of really well-known people uh ryan gosling for one again this is the ryan gosling cinematic universe uh carrie mulligan as Irene, Brian Cranston, um, uh-huh. Albert Brooks, Oscar Isaac before he got big, Christina Hendricks, Ron Perlman. Uh, those are really the big uh, big names in this movie. And actually a really good cast for a movie with a budget of only $15 million. Uh, 
um, it only grossed third. Sorry, it grossed seventy six million, which so it made its money back and then a little bit, but uh, not as much as you would think for a star vehicle for Ryan Gosling. But as we've said before, he's not a huge, surprisingly not a huge box office draw. Has a seventy eight percent meta score on uh, Metacritic, which is actually really good as a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.8 on IMDb. So everyone likes this except for Dex. Oh, hey. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> Nine out of 10 dentists, they're still the one. Exactly. So I think um, we'll, we'll get into overrated, underrated, properly rated here in a little bit. I think we need to just go ahead and give our overall thoughts on this, uh, movie and I, well, you know, we'll start right there. Dex, you claim that this movie didn't do anything until like 30 minutes left. And I, how dare you? <laughs> Nothing happened for like the first hour of this movie. Uh, okay. We start out with, you know, a pretty cool, smart uh, chase scene or whatever. Okay, sweet. It's a movie called Drive. We're doing a little driving. It's in a Chevy Impala. It's kind of slow, but it's fine. Whatever. He escapes while walking into like the end of a Clippers crowd. Great. Whatever. And then nothing happens for the next like forty five minutes in this movie. Oh, is that it? Or oh, okay, we can <laughs> ran on it further here in a little bit. I thought you had more to say. Um, the <laughs> Jake. Jay, what do you what do you think about this uh, movie overall? Um, actually, back up, Dex. Do you have you know what you would give this movie over if you like? I mean, this is your first time watching it today, and you're a Ryan Gosling stan. I am. Where would you rank this among films you've seen of him recently, or films that, of his that have come out recently? And what would you give it letter grade? Um. Yeah, gotta go dead last, and I'd give it like a a C minus. Damn. Whoa. Wow. I did not expect that going in. I thought not you would love all. this movie. Nothing happened. And then, okay, stuff started happening, and I was like, I don't care about any of this. It's just kind of like, <laughs> some of the kill scenes were kind of cool, I guess, but I was like, I don't really understand why this is happening. The story doesn't make sense. His character doesn't even have a name. I, I, it's just not, it doesn't grab me, man. Uh, Jake, I assume you have... Um different thoughts so i'm not huge into mob films but this is a mob film and it it's amazing like i think this is the first film where i was really introduced to the idea that the main character doesn't have to have a name or a backstory um we and we we, we get nothing about ryan gosling where he can where he comes from what he's about he's just a stunt driver that happens to be working for Brian Cranston on the side to do like illegal mob jobs. I, I, when I first saw it, I thought it was incredible to the point where I have purchased it twice, slightly accidentally, but I love it so much. And I think I actually own it digitally as well. Cause I think it's so great. Um, but it is a mob film. It, it, it's a mob film that sort of turns the idea of a mob film on its head a little bit. Um, and it, it, it's wonderful in that sense. We really get like the emotional connection that he has with um, Carrie Mulligan. We, we, we with the Carrie Mulligan's child. We get sort of the hatred or the disdain or the unlike that we have for Oscar Isaac. Like it's a whole ecosystem 
of emotional connections to characters that really only exists in this sort of tiny microcosm of L.A. That's really cool. It's a really interesting take on sort of like the mobster-like film. Yeah, and I mean, you said that you purchased this twice. You said you purchased this at a Hastings? I did. That is uh, a dated reference. It is. I I purchased it. um, This movie came out when I was a sophomore in college. So when it came out on DVD, it was at Hastings. I purchased it like my junior year of college. I think I lost that copy and went back and it was like in the dollar bin of Hastings. I was like, I'm going to buy it again. And I did. And found the first copy I owned. So now I own two copies of it. Incredible. Incredible dated reference by you, my friend, because the Hastings. Shout out to Hastings. Shout out to Hastings. Shout out, shout out Hastings, R.I.P. and P. to to Hastings because uh, it is big gone, especially in Waco. They made it into like a big lots or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Hastings made it to my senior year at Baylor, so 2017, and then it was gone. Yeah, R.I.P. and P. Um, the overall, I would give this movie. I remember loving it when I was because it, it like it, it came out going into college or coming out of high you know like going into senior year of high school for me I think when I saw it uh, just on my computer screen because you know <laughs> we pay we pay for movies around here folks trust us but sometimes we don't um, the as Martin Scorsese definitely intended for you to see on uh, a five inch laptop the um, or actually probably on my iPad, which is also kind of a dated reference. The, uh, when I first saw this movie, I didn't understand quite what like the, and this is about as mainstream as art house gets, I guess, but I didn't quite understand what art house was. Uh Um, so it is, I don't know. It's interesting to me that this was sort of my first introduction to this and we're going back and rewatching it. There are some uh, Dex. There are some problems with it. The story is is very shallow. Yeah. Like when you go look at it again, the story is incredibly shallow. I just think the pacing of this movie for me, it's only like really like at an hour and thirty minutes. So I felt, and I guess we people can feel different ways about movies. Like I've said before, I felt the pacing of this movie was what kept it afloat. Rewatching it. Because mm-hmm. there are like a lull where there is like a lull in the middle of the movie where you're just kind of like, okay, uh, this dude's just not going to talk for half this film. Um, but I felt like after that lull, it's just like boom, 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 boom. And then we get to the end of the, and then we kind of get to the end of the movie, which has a strange ending. And I'm sure we'll get to that. So I originally would have given this movie like an A plus or an A. Now mm-hmm. rewatching it, I think it's more of like an A minus B plus range, um, just because there really is sort of like a lack of a of a, of a true story and really a true villain, uh, regardless of what you want to think about Albert Brooks. But the um, oh wait, Jake, did we get a letter grade from you? Uh, a, not so a. much an A plus because I, I I do agree. Um, now basically 10 years removed, there are issues with it and sort of some plot holes that we need to discuss, but overall it's still an A for me. 
Holy Absolutely. shit, almost 10 years removed. That just is yeah, <laughs> that, so uh, late. Ugh. I know, that, right? I don't like, I don't like that. Um, let's see. So, how do we want to start? We want to start with the opening sequence. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I will go, just to start things off, I will go with this is actually sort of underrated because it's not... When you get done with the film, it's not what you remember. And we've said this before with other movies. It's not what you remember from the film most, but it starts you out with sort of in, I guess you had a problem with this, uh, Dex, because it didn't do more of it, but like, I feel like it starts you out with like, all right, this is what this is about. It gives, it tells you basically everything you need to know about this character pretty quickly. Now you don't uh-huh. find that out throughout the film, but once the film is over, you're like, all right, this guy doesn't talk. He drives and he does not give a shit about anyone eventually except for this woman and this kid. But, uh, yeah. So I, I call the opening scene underrated. Uh, no, I, I, I totally agree. It is underrated. I mean, it's a good, it's a good chase. It's, it's not exciting. It's not like a baby driver level of chasing. The, uh, um, music isn't there. Um, to sort of like excite it, but we, we get an introduction to Ryan Gosling is putting on the driver gloves. He's like somehow has this meta knowledge of what it all the traffic is around LA and he seems to navigate in such an expert way. It's a great introduction to the character, um, the unnamed character Ryan Gosling has. So it's, it's a fun chasing. It's not the best chasing out there in the world, but it is a good chasing. So I will, I'll say it's rated. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's underrated. Um, I don't, I didn't love it. Like you said, it's not Baby Driver. I, I love the movie Baby Driver. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, but yeah, this one is just, it's kind of slow. He's in a Chevy Impala. Like it's not that cool. Uh, it's kind of, it's smart. Um, uh, the way he like does the chase. And I was like, okay, cool. We're going to get a bunch of like really like smart cunning chase scenes out of, Ryan Gosling or whatever, but my problem with the film is that it took another like forty five minutes for us to get the second chase scene, and nothing happened between that. But yeah, as far as this one opening scene goes, I'd call it properly rated. I did laugh my ass off like once the scene was over and they like did the opening credits song. I the move the music in this movie is hilarious. I just like <laughs> I. I had written down that I love the music in this movie. <laughs> it's not bad. Okay, so that first song, I don't remember what it's called. It's like Night. I think it's called Night. Yeah, Nightcrawl. Something like that. That was uh that was sampled in a Childish Gambino song um uh called RIP with Bun B, and that was all I could think of while that song played in this movie. So I was just laughing my ass off. And then there's a later scene with some even funnier music that just completely took me out of what was happening. I do remember this being like the first movie that had a soundtrack that I enjoyed, like right next to um, the the sequel to um, Tron, the, the Daft Punk one. Like I remember purposely seeking out both these soundtracks of like movies and be like, oh, movies could actually have good songs and like good soundtracks to them. Yeah, but it's funny because we I remember loving this soundtrack and specifically that opening song, which uh, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, that's going to be at the end of this podcast. But the um, <laughs> uh, I 
it only really I think plays maybe one or two that and the other song like I think it plays the other song twice and that song once so I think it really only plays three songs in the movie I'm trying to look for it on Spotify sorry I was I think that's what it was I think it's Nightcrawl but I'm just it's killing me yeah and there's Nightcrawl and like Real Human Being is another one which I think um, plays at the party when Oscar Isaac gets out of jail a real human being being <laughs> a real human being, being. um the <laughs> i also put when i wrote down in my notes i just put los angeles clippers question mark <laughs> you know the heavily <laughs> attended game in 2011 i mean i guess they were okay in 2011 sure. were they i don't i mean yeah like, lob city blake griffin chris paul it was a thing yeah, I mean they they I guess they were they probably had like fifty something wins, but it's just like Griffin with the fadeaway and you're just like what? <laughs> what? I on the T V screen I, that they show the game on, you can definitely tell that it's not the Clippers or Toronto, I think was the other team. Like it was obviously not either of those teams. <laughs> I was like, What the fuck is happening? One one definitely couldn't afford the rights to any NBA footage and two definitely couldn't afford the rights to the Los Angeles Lakers logo. So they're like we got to make this. I'm surprised they could even get the Staples Center in there. Well, he puts on like a vague LA hat, which it's almost in like the Mets color because <laughs> it's like blue and orange, yeah. which is no LA team color. I thought it was. I thought it had the LA Clippers. I thought it had the LC on there. But um, it is funny because he walks out of there. They're looking for a driver, and he walks out of there, just <laughs> takes off his jacket, and has the driving glove still on. And the cops are just like, not that guy. He doesn't have the cool scorpion jacket on. It's not him. That fucking jacket. All right, we're going to have to we'll hopefully talk about that later. Um, and then they move on uh, after the opening scene. They, I, I got confused because they make him look like a cop for two seconds. Uh-huh. I was like, uh-huh. oh, well, this will take a turn. And then it just immediately was like, nope. Uh, he turns out he's a stunt driver for movies. Um, he and Brian Cranston sort of run a uh, business. He meets uh, Carrie Mulligan um, in an elevator, I think. Uh-huh. Is that where they first meet? No, well, I guess it's it's implied that he knows that she lives on the same floor as him, I guess, when they get back. And then he helps her at the supermarket uh, with her car, gives her a ride home. Um, and they sort of, it, not, not that it matters, but they sort of like hit it off by not talking to each other. Uh, and I can see why now looking back on it, I can see why that like if you're not super invested in this movie or saw it when you were sort of impressionable, like, like I was, mm-hmm. you'd be like, they don't talk to each other. They kind of just they stare. They don't the- talk to each other. They go to the supermarket. Her car is messed up. They go home. They talk a little bit about who knows what they smile at each other. And then we mm-hmm. just move on. Exactly. And I think this is the point where we kind of do character rankings, um, and overrated underrated for characters. So, We'll start with Ryan Gosling because he is the star of this film. This is his vehicle after uh, Crazy Stupid Love came out, I think, that, like right after, um, same year. But uh, 
And this was sort of the film that I feel like... No, it came out maybe right before Crazy Stupid Love. No. Okay. Shut up, Royden. You had it right first time. It came out a month or two after uh, Crazy Stupid Love. So this was the film. He had a run of sort of drive, Crazy Stupid Love, Ides of March, where it felt like they were, it, it felt like Hollywood was like, all right, we're going to make this dude a star. Like he's already had this, he's already been nominated for a Academy Award for Hel- uh, Half Nelson, which very underrated movie if you haven't ever seen it um mm-hmm. he 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 already got a nominated nomination for that he sort of had this weird um Lars in the re- weird indie phase with Lars and the real girl blue valentine um he took a swing and a miss with all the good things which was the Robert Durst uh uh bio you know biopic that wasn't actually like a Durst biopic they couldn't actually call mm-hmm. it that um, he was real creepy in that. And then he does crazy, stupid love drive Ides of March romantic yeah. studio, romantic comedy heist film, political thriller with George Clooney. I don't know if I, I don't know what it, uh, it's an art house film, but I guess it, it does fall into the, it has to, right? Like I'm what else would it, it be? Him mob film but that's really more of the albert brooks um what's his face story because it does involve sort of the italian mob because it's not really a high barely yeah it's not really a heist except for the pawn shop robbery which is kind of like the central terrible part of the film but i don't know (laughs) I'm, i'm going mob film but barely it kind of exists in a weird I, I agree. Like it, it, it's it is a, sort of like an art house film. And like I've said, this is the most mainstream that probably art, art house film. will ever get. Because if you've uh, if you've seen some of, if not all, I haven't seen all of it, but some of the movie that they did together after this, only God forgives. That's uh, a it, yeah. That if you want to look at art, <laughs> yeah. If you want to look at art house, go watch whatever that was. Um, is Placey the, on the? pines the same duo no that was um geez all over the place that was a guy named uh derek uh cn france uh, i don't know but yeah like we've talked about ryan gosling's career before where he does these hollywood films mm-hmm. and then he'll like it's like he does get a payday and then he just goes and does like random indie projects for whoever knows, you know, for probably less, you know, less than a million dollars. He just wants to do it. Uh And he's taken, he's taken some swings. He's had some misses, but most of them are all usually pretty good. But it it just, like I've said, it it feels like in 2011, Hollywood was like, all right, you're going to be a star. Here's the three vehicles we're going to put you in. Uh, no pun intended, but the, ha, uh, the I, I would call I would call his performance in this maybe even a little overrated once I go back and look at it. I feel like when you go and look at all the other characters, I think he has some range in this, but it really is just like that silent brooding type that he's played uh-huh. in a few of his movies with the New York accent in Los Angeles for some reason. And <laughs> uh God, always. And yeah. um and he really just kind of 
broods and then gets upset a couple of times and has a little bit of range there, but I would maybe call it his performance overrated, kind of looking at it as a go play. That's weird saying that, but play it in my mind. I'd call it overrated. He didn't really <laughs> like say a whole lot. There was some like the last 45 minutes or so of this film has some pretty cool stuff in it, but like, I don't know. I just wasn't moved. <laughs> You're treating this like a big meh. Is it's a big man. Nothing happened for like an hour. I was like, when do we get like the brutal, bloody violence I was promised by this film? Oh, Brady? and then we got brother. it. Who <laughs> goes to the elevator when he just stomps a dude to death? Yeah, once we got to the brutal, bloody violence, I was promised. I was like, okay, I can see the. <laughs> God, that's you know seems... what that say. You know what that says about you, Dex? <laughs> Let's diagnose you for a second. Yeah, Dex. Let's gang up on him. The chick's no. head blew up from the shotgun, and I was like, well, shit, here we go. It's a movie now. Good Lord. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Christina Hendricks. God. Um, uh, what's her character's name? It's something dumb. Blanche. Blanche. Yeah. Blanche. T- trying to make it like an old-timey movie. Um, real quick, what would you, uh, Jake, what would you say about uh, Gosling's performance? Uh, I will agree. I think sort of basically we'll call it 10 years removed. He is a bit overrated because he plays his exact character in only god forgives so this movie is sort of a spiritual successor to it it's just i'm not gonna say a very good point um i'm not gonna say a lot and a lot of his acting is sort of like in these facial expressions and these no movements um I, i i think his best scene is when he first meets oscar isaac's character standard and that sort of like non-discussion hallway scene where he says nothing mm-hmm. but standard sort of like, hey, thanks for watching over my wife and kid. And Gosling is just staring at him in a very awkward, terrible way. Um, so he is a bit overrated. Uh, he's not doing a lot with his face. He's not selling his character other than he almost is indifferent to everything. Which is weird, like, even in the chase scenes, like, he doesn't seem to care that he's in an Apollo evading the cops. He doesn't seem to care when he watched Christina Hendricks' head blow up or Standard mm. die. Like, he makes sort of no emotional connection as the character, which is an interesting move because we don't see that a lot in films. Um, so it is a good, I guess, like, acting from Ryan Gosling, if it's even acting, but as a character, no, he's overrated. Well, I will say like the source, the source material for this was a book. So I feel like this is maybe I haven't read the book. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, probably never will read the book. Actually, probably is. uh, I'll never read the book. And the uh, (laughs) the 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 source material is, I think, told in a nonlinear narrative, yada, yada, yada. So it was hard to adapt. But like he doesn't have a name in this. If you watch the subtitles and it's in the IMDb, his name is literally Driver. So, you know, for his, I saw a review on Rotten Tomatoes that was basically like, it's, they, they like me, like the pacing of the movie. So he said like, it, it isn't only until after that you realize, oh, there's no backstory here. So uh, that he, one, he probably didn't have a lot to go off of, but two, it's just like, oh wait, we just don't have anything to relate this guy to we have no we have no motivation for him whatsoever whatsoever 
And so it's it, it, it makes it an interesting portrayal, but it also is sort of like we can't relate to this guy at all. See, you spin it that way, and the way that I took it was like, there's no reason for this movie to exist. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this movie has One. nothing to say. Very little is happening. There's no reason for this movie to be made. It's so, probably me, definitely me overanalyzing it, yeah. but, you know, this go off, King. In, like, sort of any other story, this character would exist as, like, sort of, like, the portrayal of, like, this could be anybody in LA. Anybody could be a mobster, but because Gosling exhibits some amount of superhero ability, like stomping a dude to death in an elevator, it does detach you from the idea that he could be anybody. Like he's just this regular ass dude. That's a good driver. So there is really no connection to him as a character. And really, I mean, like he, it's almost like he's a little, I mean, he's aloof and everything. And the only sort of empathy that he has is for this. He doesn't even give a shit about standard. And maybe that's because he wants to take his wife to pound town. But like the, uh, the only, he only has sympathy for Carrie Mulligan, the boy. I forget what his boy's name was. Benicio. Benicio del Toro. and he barely has any sympathy for brian cranston which brian cranston's the most sympathetic character in this entire film um so he barely has any sympathy for him so it's he's almost like a psychopath if we actually break it down a little bit even further he is kind of weird um but he's a superhero somehow i don't understand Superhuman yeah, strength, does, yeah, healing some abilities. Sort of, He's Wolverine. Yeah, he had some sort of meta knowledge of where the cops are and what traffic looks like in L.A. He can also fix every car known to man. He's also a super mechanic. <laughs> yep, and looks great. Not in that white that means it hurts. Looks great in white t. Looks great in that classic white t-shirt, blue jeans look and a toothpick like the toothpick though i will say the toothpick thing i was like really dude yeah that that is a bit 1950s too much you're not a greaser calm down we're we're really trying to be marlon brando ryan gosling and i just man that was on the nose the part uh that took me out was when he walks up on the guy in the dressing room and hits him with the hammer and none of the women oh, react at all. <laughs> all the women are just like, yeah, this is a Tuesday. Just boobs everywhere. You know you know how it is in a strip club that's run by the mob when a guy gets his hand smashed by a hammer? It's just a Tuesday. And, and he's just like, eat this bullet. You, give me a phone. Like, it's just like, good Lord. Like, okay. That entire scene, I was like, I don't know what's happening. In a better movie, this would be fantastic, but watching this right now, I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening. I have a question I liked, about... I liked it, but I... Uh, go ahead, Jake. I have a question about the bullet, because we get the bullet from... He hands it to Benicio um, after um, Sander gets out. But why is that a thing? Who just hands a bullet as a warning? <laughs> 
And the kid doesn't understand that. Like, the kid doesn't yeah, know what that... Why are you counting on Ryan Gosling getting the bullet from the kid instead of just, like, threatening Ryan Gosling <laughs> directly? I don't understand. Or th- I mean, or threatening even further his dad that they just beat the crap out of, like, we'll shoot your son. Yeah, like, is the assumption that the kid is going to give the bullet to Carrie Mulligan and then have a conversation like, hey, by the way... Your husband that's been in jail now owes $40,000. They gave me this bullet. So here you go. Let's explain this. Like, it's a weird thing to give a child a bullet as a message. Well, he was going to be like, you know, I don't even have a gun. So this he was just, he just comes like, this is a weird, this is weird, right? I'm five years old. I don't understand what this is. He's just going to show it to his mom. Like, look at my new toy. Look <laughs> what I found. Like, how is that a message? Or he'll just lose it like a normal five-year-old. Like, he'll just, like, <sighs> make sure you hold on to this. Ah, that's gone. I also the... have questions of why that gangster is Albanian, but he's also connected to the Italian mob. Like, there's some geography questions about what's happening in this mob. Like I said, when you look back on it, there, this story is razor thin, so I can see where Dex is coming from with that. Yeah. When we... Let's move on to, um, well, we've been talking about standard for a while. Uh, what about, I mean, Oscar Isaac before he blew up. Mm-hmm. What do we be- think? What do we think about uh, shaved head Oscar Isaac? Is this before Llewellyn Davis? Like, uh, right like, I think literally like right before. So we don't know who he is. Right. As this comes out. Uh, yeah, Lula Davis is 2013. So, yeah, this is before we even knew who Oscar Isaac is. And I, I, I gotta say, I think he has the most career for his limited time. I think he has the most charisma, um, in this movie. Mm-hmm. His death think- is like the most shocking sort of part of this film because you don't expect him yeah. to die and then he just dies yeah he's he's very dead um <laughs> super dead like the poor guy gets the shit kicked out of him in the uh, like they beat the crap out of that guy and then he just mm-hmm. gets framed like what the like he didn't do anything i mean he did like he's a bad he's a bad person let's get that let's not get that mixed up he he knocked up a 17 year old and he went to jail for robbery <sighs> And he robbed another store. So he's not a good guy. But like you kind of feel still kind of feel sorry for the guy where he's just like his story arc in this is like he comes home, gets the crap kicked out of him, shot and dead. Dude is probably banging his wife. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like it's David Lynn hogging his wife. (laughs) (laughs) The original. The original. The original. It all comes full circle that Ryan Gosling is the original David Lindhog. Um, the so yeah, you do kind of feel sorry for him, but I, saying that he he makes the most Oscar Isaac, and then and it just we should have seen it coming. Maybe the part was too small for us to have seen it coming, but Oscar Isaac does the most out of that he could have ever done with. Uh, you know, with this. Yeah, he was really good. I feel like his story was much more interesting than the drivers. Like I would have watched the Oscar Isaac version of this film 
uh, and been a lot more entertained. So much shit happens to him so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he didn't deserve to die. And I still don't really understand um, that whole part of the movie. So like, I guess the the redhead chick, whatever her name was, Blanche or something. Blanche. They set up Ryan Gosling and Oscar Isaac, I guess, and then they got found out, and so she had to die. I don't, I don't understand. Please explain. I think it's razor thin. I think the way that I read it, uh, maybe Jake, you can help me with this. The way that I read it was that they wanted to. Um, the Ron Perlman, which he's just hilariously Ron Perlman in this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not even trying. Just, yeah, just very, just very, just just the most stereotypical Italian mobster ever. Um, he he wanted to steal money from a low level crime boss that was coming out to New York are coming out to Los Angeles from New York to start a rival business with him and Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. They were funneling the money through that. They were funneling the money through that pawn shop. They told, they framed, um, Oscar Isaac driver and Blanche for, to go get it because as like, Oh, you owe me this much money. So they didn't ask any questions or yada, yada, yada. And then it just blows up in their face because the pawn shop owner kills the guy. And I think the Chrysler 300 was there as backup. Uh So that's how I understand it. And so they try to kill, they try to kill Christina Hendricks and Ryan Gosling because now it's very loose, but now it's just like, now they're the only ones that can connect them back to, uh, back to the robbery and back to the Italian mob and yada 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 and so they don't want the East Coast Italian mob coming after them it is told very thinly I had to get that from Wikipedia <laughs> yeah no I mean that's basically what it is for some reason Ron Perlman is upset because he's like disrespected by the Italian mob for being Jewish and so he's robbing the Italian mob for some reason and involves like this very convoluted plot involving standard of all people to rob the mob to like get back at them because they keep disrespecting him for being Jewish. Uh, yeah, they they still call him baby or whatever, and still pinch my cheek whenever I come in. I'm 59 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great impression. But yeah, okay. So what? I don't know. Who's in the Chrysler 300? Why are they Why are they chasing Ryan Gosling? I I, I don't know for sure, but it's either it's either backup from Ron Perlman's crew or backup from the East yeah. Coast crew, making sure that nobody was gonna get like. Still, I I think it was back up from Ron Perlman's crew making sure yeah. that everything went according to plan. But when it didn't, they were going. They went to try and kill them and finish it off and just take the money anyway. But so I think the idea driver is, got away. is that so um, James Babiri's character. I forgot what it is. I, I think it's Cook. Somehow he is some sort of like low level mob boss. 
and he has hired these people that were going to kill Standard after he robs them, and they take the money from Standard's dead oh. corpse, and they give it to Ron Perlman, but because Ryan Gosling's character is so good at driving, he evades them. Uh, um, yeah, because yeah, Christina Hendricks' character tries to give us that exposition very poorly before getting her head blown off. Um, but yeah, again, it's a very convoluted plot for Ron Perlman just to get a million dollars. Exactly. And poor, yeah, like we've said, poor Ryan, poor, uh, Ryan Gosling, poor Oscar Isaac just gets blasted, man. He's like out of nowhere. Just destroyed. Poor Christina Hendricks gets smacked up by Ryan Gosling and then her head gets blown off out of nowhere. <laughs> okay. Shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. Yeah, that, 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 that comes, I, like, that whole car scene... That the, the chase after Oscar Isaac gets destroyed, murked, is again pretty low intensity for a chase scene. And then we get Gosling beating the shit out of Christina Hendricks for the truth, and then she gets murked. Like, it is an intense, like, I want to say it's like 15 minutes where two characters of a movie that only has like 10 characters just get destroyed. It domed just out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they don't even give, they give no one in this a ceremonious death. I will mm-hmm. say every death in this is shocking because like, okay, first of all, you had a note. Let's break down this whole thing really quick. Oscar Isaac, this is the best part of the movie, all of this and the elevator scene. Best parts in the movie. Oscar Isaac gets brutally shot to death outside of this. So, so it just like automatically looks like you're guilty. Like, no presumption of innocence there for the cops and for his family. It's just like, oh, he went out a piece of shit, just like we all thought. And um, he he dies. Ryan Gosling somehow can't evade a Chrysler 300 in a Mustang. I tweeted this. I, I, I mentioned I wrote that down in my notes, and I'm glad that you mentioned that. I was like, you purposely stole a Mustang because you know that shit's fast. Like, you couldn't get out at like a Chrysler 300 is probably a fast car, but it's not a Mustang. It's a family sedan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I had a problem with that, too. Um, Then he finds out that he's been framed. Um, I wrote down that he sees the fakest newscast of all fake newscasts that I've ever seen describing that no one else was involved so obviously no one reported anything else um gets a text and that sequence okay putting on the gloves was just a choice by ryan gosling it's like like either you've done this before or you had to talk i don't know he talked to somebody who's like how how best to slap a woman? I don't know. Like what th- that scene was intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then I don't know. I did just her. It, it was shocking. Still, like the first time you see it, and the and the, even the second time you see it, it's like everywhere. Just <laughs> when she get domed, it's just like oh, like her shit exploded. Like I was not ready for that. Because up until that point, 
I was like, okay, I, it's been kind of bloody. Like, Oscar Isaac's gotten the crap beat out of him. Now he got brutally murdered or whatever. But, like, this isn't, like, that violent of a movie like I had heard rumors of. And then that shit happened, and I was like, oh, here we go. We turned in this shit all the way up. Hell of a move by Ryan Gosling. Throws the mattress against the door so the guy can't get in. Guy comes in through the window. He stabs him with the shower handle or whatever. Curtain uh, rod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through the throat. That was brutal. And all of a sudden, Ryan Gosling's also a weapons expert. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. you don't have to be a weapons expert to fire a shotgun. But he just like... One shot killed that guy. Ryan Gosling has seen some shit. We just will never see what that is. Yeah, there's some Very sort true. of background because that whole scene is in slow-mo, which is why Christina Hendricks' head blowing up is so shocking because you just you see it bit by bit. But that, the run-up to that scene is Gosling sitting on the bed after he beats the shit out of Christina Hendricks and she goes in the bathroom and is like trying to clean herself up. He looks at the door and we get a push in to the door. And for some reason, Gosling knows, like, there's sound. I need to move now. Like, he has some sort of meta knowledge, almost like military training. Like, if there's shadows. He's got a spidey sense. Yeah, like, if there's shadows moving, it means I need to block the door now. Yeah, I I mean, that whole sequence is, is why this movie is rated R. Like, you're just like, ooh, shit, okay. Um, also, heck of a turn for Christina Hendricks. There's a couple AMC stars in this that were like, this is going to be my big movie break. And Christina Hendricks coming off Mad Men is literally in this for like five minutes. Ten minutes at best. At best. I she like. Also, she's wearing heels trying to rob a place. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Bryce Dallas Howard special. Yeah, that was dumb as shit. I he was like, "All right, that's." I was I, plot be damned. I was really upset by that. I was like, <laughs> "This is the shoe choice that you're making." All right, whatever. Um, after that, let's move on to uh, what do we think about Brian Cranston's character? Most sympathetic character. I call his character kind of un- underrated um, because he he doesn't have a lot of lines either. But I think he's the only bit of comic relief in this movie and also the only bit of levity in this movie. Like, like you feel sorry for him a little bit about his whatever backstory that Albert Brooks gives about him. Um, you feel bad when he has the worst looking death I've ever seen mm-hmm. outside of Christina Hendricks getting her head blown off. I don't know. What do we think about Brian Cranston? I felt really bad for him throughout, uh, you know, at first I was like, I just don't understand, like, what this guy is. Like, he's a stunt driver coordinator person who runs a garage, but also wants to, like, run a NASCAR team or some shit. I don't really understand. Um, but, yeah, you find out about, like, them breaking his pelvis because, like, he owed them some money or some shit. And then his death, it's like, well, fuck. Like, such a sad little man. Yeah, he struck me as, like, sort of that iconic i'm one day from retirement sort of character in films like damn um because again we like we we feel so good for him like if we can just get this race car going 
then Ryan Gosling could be clean and they could finally like live a, a above the line sort of life, which never happens. And he gets murked in just like the worst, saddest way. Cause even that like run up, like that conversation with Albert Brooks, you're kind of like, you're on edge cause they're talking mob stuff. You're like, but I don't think Ryan, Cran- Brian Cranston is going to die. Nope. He dies. He just, he dies in the worst way. Um, but man, he but, got got so easy though. Oh, and I it's not his yeah, it, it's not his forte, which makes Albert Brooks really great in this role as a mobster. Known comic Albert Brooks to be a just aggressive mobster, which throws that whole scene through a loop. But you feel bad for Brian Cranston. Like he really is almost like a father figure where you're just like He's one day from retirement. He's one day from getting that NASCAR going and being a multimillionaire. He's out of the mob, but nope. Yeah, he's like two seconds from actually leaving the garage before Albert Brooks somehow Batman's his way into the uh, garage. <laughs> I really uh, like that scene, by the way. The It's bad luck and like you just pick the wrong time and the wrong guy yeah. to screw over or whatever. I like that's a good that's a good writing. Not a there whole was, lot has been said in this movie, but that's that's good writing. Yeah, there was there was definite tension right there because we're we've been hearing how Albert Brooks is a bad. I mean, well, he stabbed that guy to death with a fork and then like whatever in the uh, yeah. in the diner. So we had been hearing about how he's a bad guy. Now we're really seeing how he's a bad guy. The whole "my hands are dirty too" line was uh, just on the nose, but like um, like the most on the line on the nose line I think of this entire movie actually. But the um, yeah, that scene between he and Brian Cranston really had a lot of tension. But I, I feel bad for Brian Cranston. But like I was saying, he got got so easy. It's like, shake my hand. Like, no, <laughs> just don't do it. Like, like I know you got a broken pelvis and you wear like a back brace and stuff, Brian Cranston. But you can like, Albert Brooks doesn't look light on his feet. Mm-mm. You wanted you Brian Cranston to hobble away from this man who's about to kill him. Is that your solution? <laughs> You wanted to try it out, run at least do something like hobble yeah. away. Yeah, Bob and we like make him kill you. <laughs> Word for it. Well, I think like even Albert Brooks exists in this universe as Albert Brooks exists in our universe. Like he seems almost non-threatening because he enters the garage almost as a friend. Like, hey, this shit has blown up in a way that none of us expected. Like, how are we gonna fix it? So. I understand why Brian Cranston's character was a little bit like susceptible to it all, but yeah, he should have like it's pretty obvious. Like Albert Brooks is telegraphing at the end, like, hey, by the way, I gotta kill you to clean this up, so Man, that was bloody though, when he just like I was like, Ugh. like I don't know, seeing that again, uh, it made me kind of cringe when he just and then he just the whole shh 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 it's okay. Yeah. Like it's over. It's over. We're done. That was it. It's what it is. Yeah, but that was that was actually kind of creepy. That that scene mixed with him killing the the guy in, in the pizzeria. Like, we have it, to it, talk about that guy because what a what a life, Jesus Christ! <laughs> just to go out that way, sans fork, um, gets beat up in front of a bunch of strippers <laughs> and then <laughs> with a hammer. This guy gets killed with a bunch of weapons that aren't weapons. <laughs> A hammer. He was force fed a bullet. He got stabbed in the face with a fork. Yeah. How you think he passed that bullet? Yeah, I was gonna. You think he passed that? 
I think he passed that before or after he got stabbed with a fork. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because, like, you definitely empty your bowels whenever you do get stabbed with a fork. <laughs> so... But the fork wasn't even how he died. The fork was entirely unnecessary. The fork was just to fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That well, Now that you mention it, he stabs him in the throat with a knife, and you're just like, why didn't you do that first? Yeah, why yeah. was that not your first move? The dude's already has a broken hand and is in like a neck brace. You don't have to like, you don't have to stab him with a foot. That's insult to injury. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Albert Brooks's character, I would go okay. I would say he's rated properly rated. I think uh, he got nominated. He was the only award to actually come out of this movie. He got nominated for a Golden Globe, um, which I think maybe might be deserving. But I I did write down that there is like the lack of an actual villain in this mm-hmm. movie and I know it's supposed to be Albert Brooks and Ron Perlman and more so Albert Brooks but he's just not in it enough and he's not too established enough because this movie is only um, an hour and 30 minutes long that it, I don't know it's just it's not heavy enough you know what I mean like he does a good job and I wrote down he has one of the best voices also that I've ever heard but best villain voices too but it just like i don't know it, there, there's kind of a lack of a of a real villain in this for me and maybe that's the point maybe you know i don't know um yeah no i i, I agree i think he kind of this is a terrible comparison but again because it's a mob movie like it's it's almost like a michael corleone sort of thing where like he is a villain but you you're not attached to like the sort of the villainous crimes that he's doing. Like he's just a mobster. You expect a mobster to just randomly kill people at, at a whim because they're screwing you over for a million dollars. Like the stakes are actually pretty low because everybody has a good claim on it. I will say, I think in this film, aside from sort of Gosling and Carrie Mulligan, I think Albert Brooks is actually a brilliant casting choice. Cause I mean, before this, and I granted it's a little ways before it, but like Albert Brooks' movies were Finding Nemo is like what he's known for at this period in time. Oh, yeah. So like to have this, and I mean he is a prolific comedian, and he's in in films and as a director to have him as this very violent and vindictive character like it is a very really good casting choice because it puts him as a actor like it flips him so it's a very interesting um choice uh, as a as a character and as a casting um that really makes him unnerving because you see i mean he's not brooks he's not wearing makeup he's not wearing prosthetics he's not doing a character he's just himself like he is that is albert brooks's voice that's how he walks that's how he talks and so when you see him and he just violently stabs a guy in the throat and then forks him to death and then just murks, um, forks him to death. That's <laughs> just forks him to death. And then just murks, um, Brian Cranston. Like that is not the hour Brooks that we know and love as an actor from, you know, all these years. So that's a really good choice. Like in, in terms of casting and acting, cause that's not the person you expect him to be. All right. Well, moving on. Um, we'll move on to uh, Carrie Mulligan. Um, she didn't have anything to do in this movie. Mm-mm. 
she had absolutely zero to do. Like she had like maybe five lines. She I don't know. Slapped like, Ryan Gosling, which was cool. Yeah, she did do that. She had a she had a little bit of an emotional range here. She had to like she had to really act with her face. Uh, so she did a good job, but she didn't have anything to do. I guess I would call her overrated just because on name brand recognition, like we know who Carrie Mulligan is, but like she just didn't like I, I don't know. Like unfortunately, she didn't have. I would have liked to have seen her have more to do, but this isn't her vehicle. Uh huh. Um, I mean, before this, like she, her really, she's only known as being Mumford's wife from Mumford and Sons and like her acting, cause this is before Great Gatsby. So we don't, we know who Carrie Mulligan is from like public enemies and pride and prejudice. So she's a little underrated coming in this. Like we, as like a viewing audience sort of know who she is, but also don't. So she's a little underrated in that. She's trying her best with like having nothing to do in this film. She's trying. So I think she like she reached for more of like the protective mother of like I am young and my the father of my child is in jail. So like I'm trying to reconcile with that um, mm-hmm. character. And so she she does act well in like the how she reacts to the kiss to watching Gosling just violently stomp that dude to death in the elevator is like kind of her best moment in the film because I think it's kind of how you would normally react that just shock and that awe and that I need to get out of here this person that I thought who he was just murdered somebody with his foot so like that's kind of like that that's really good acting on her part but otherwise else she doesn't have a lot so she's a bit underrated because we don't know who she is and she's showing a little bit of range um because again this is before like how we knew her from great gatsby um but otherwise else yeah she's just rated to slightly underrated yeah i'll go with rated she didn't have a whole lot to do really only thing i remember her saying was like when oscar isaac is telling the story about how they met and you know she retells the joke of like where's the deluxe version that's like literally the only line I remember from her in this movie because she <laughs> said next to nothing. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I don't see why this movie exists or why it was made or what the point was. And same thing for her character. Who cares? I think, you know, for me, since I do, <laughs> who cares? I, for me, since I do actually enjoy this film, they have to do a good job of trying to establish chemistry between two characters uh, who really aren't likable or talk very much. Um, the... So they actually do end up doing a, a decent job of doing that in just staring. And uh, Refn does a really good job of sort of building the tension up until that elevator uh, scene. But it is funny that she slaps the shit out of the guy, and then two seconds later, he get he like kisses her. Like that didn't happen mm-hmm. in real life. Like it all. You, yeah, I mean, you also don't like curb stomp a guy on an elevator in real life. <laughs> but like, like. I don't know. What do we think about the elevator thing? Because that still is probably the most memorable thing from this movie. Because he just slams that guy up against like just quick work, quick work of that guy. That didn't that guy didn't stand a chance, and he had a gun. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. You have a gun. You're here to kill Ryan Gosling. <laughs> just kill him while he's kissing this chick for whatever reason. Like just kill him. 
kissing scene took 30 minutes and he's just sitting there like all right i'll patiently wait until you're done you have a conscience all of a sudden you're in the mob or whatever just kill this guy also, his target is right outside the elevator whenever he gets off on the floor. And he's like, wrong floor. Like, dude, dude, is this your yeah. first day? What are you doing? <laughs> You're a bad hitman, man. Come on. You're bad at your job. Because um, the problem is, is like we entered the elevator. And granted, it's in slow-mo, so they probably you know clear like one or two floors. But we get like the standard like scene of like the slow pan down to of, of the hitman that dude had so much time he had so much time that he could have just taken care of ryan gosling carrie mulligan didn't matter like we just needed to kill ryan gosling had she died she would have died like he could have killed both of them very quickly yeah just kill them both if you have to dude what's wrong with you who just cares who get cares? it done get it done you're a hitman you work for the mob just take him out He's a murderer with a conscience, guys. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm, well, he's not because he got curb stomped by a size 11. <laughs> also, Ryan Gosling is a fairly small man. Like, that's got a that's a pretty shameful way to die. Getting literally stomped out by. Small, I think he's like six foot. I think he's six foot tall. Is he? We out here. We out here shaming small men now, Dex. I mean, I love Ooh. my short king. Shout out to all of my short kings. But, like, I don't know. He ain't the size of that hit, man. I mean, he's probably, like, he's probably, like, NBA six foot. Like, he's in, in <laughs> shoes. In sho- yeah, he's he's six foot and a half. Uh, and still, still too small to be getting stomped out by when you have a gun on I, you. I will say, Gosling's, like... His move in that elevator is is real good. He just he's in front of Carrie Mulligan, pushes her to the side in the corner, turns and kisses her, and she gives like a decent enough performance to be surprised but reciprocates. But like it it's kind of the smoothest acting he has. Like it's the one moment in the film where you're like, Oh, this is not a driver, this is just Ryan Gosling being hot as hell. How we need more back. I will. This is the only problem that I really big problem that I have with the film. We need more backstory as to how he can Captain America motherfucker in the in the elevator. Like, where did he learn karate? Yeah, some and in, in stunt school with Brian Cranston, they also teach you jujitsu. You learn to drive, exactly. and you learn to smash a guy's head against a wall, and then just heal him to death. He's surprisingly actually good friends with Joe Rogan. <laughs> they smoke a shit ton of DMT, and then he knows what to do. MMA him to death. Hey, Jamie, pull up that stunt. Have you ever done this? <laughs> Can we start now, have doing you ever, that on this podcast? <laughs> have you ever done DMT while driving a stunt car? What's that like? What's that like? Oh, that's great. All right. I, I, I really don't have... I can just share some of my notes. Um, overall, I, that's been drive. I don't think we have any really anything more to... Oh, ending. Let's talk about the ending. Sorry. Because it is stupid. Um, yeah, we got to talk really? about this guy thinking he could escape the murderer running into the ocean. <laughs> Thank you. I write that down. There's two Swim things away. we got to talk about. Interesting, interesting way to kill a guy. You didn't have to wear the mask. 
that was a creepy shot that he just walks up and that was actually a kind of a creepy shot and a weird like film nerd that's actually a really well framed sort uh-huh. of shot you didn't have to wear it because you ended up killing him with a car basically anyway uh-huh. so and he's dead so it's not like he's gonna identify you um a, a, <laughs> he's wearing that mask standing and looking at him and ron perlman six foot eight ron perlman's like let me run into the ocean He'll never catch me out here. What? What the, the terrible escape? You have miles of beach, my dude. <laughs> Run sideways, serpentine patterns. You'll get away. I guess his plan was just to swim out into the ocean and I get blend in or something. It's nighttime, so he can't see me. I don't understand what he thought was going to happen. Yeah, that was very dumb. I guess, I mean, he just did get knocked off of a cliff at like 80 miles an hour. So I don't know where his facilities are at, um, but running headlong into the ocean trying to get away from somebody has worked zero times out of a hundred. And yeah, why why did he wear the mask? Because like, yeah, it's not like they don't know who he is. And if anybody were to see you in that mask, like that's a very specific mask. It's not like you can go buy that at Party City or some shit. Like, my God. My guy has the same bloodstained jacket on. Mm-hmm. That's Scorpion. Here's my other question about that scene. Because he goes to Ron Perlman's pizzeria. And we get the shot of him looking into the pizzeria with the mask. There's like a black tie ball going inside the pizzeria? <laughs> like the hey. mob couldn't afford to get like a holiday in like ballroom or something. They had to have... A black tie gala inside of a pizzeria? What do you want me to do? The Motel the Motel <laughs> 6 was charging too much. <laughs> Just come to my pizzeria. We'll have a couple of pies. No, wear your suit. <laughs> they are missing a million dollars. Maybe that million dollars was supposed to go to the mob's like ball. But it, it, it's so the, weird. The mob's Christmas party was ruined because, <laughs> because Ryan Gosling wanted to play the hero. It's, it's just so weird because we like look in and like these like hot women are wearing like these ball gowns. Pearlman's in a black tie suit. It's just weird to have this party, a black tie party in like a shitty pizzeria and a strip mall. That really was, it was like, all right, we don't have either <laughs> enough time or money to scout more locations. So we're just throwing this shit in the pizzeria. This movie takes place at like three places, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. So it's just like, how many of those people in there were just like, are we really going back to this motherfucking pizzeria again? <laughs> like, we don't want to go. Uh, whatever. We'll drink your shitty bathroom <laughs> wine. Okay, so we have the ocean murder scene, and then... And then, yeah, well, uh, we're rambling, but like, we have the ocean murder scene, which is kind of funny and dumb, but then the ending, they meet... The fact that he just doesn't take the money again is real stupid. Like, I know that he just killed Ron Perlman, but you both don't have to die. Like, mm-hmm. and he stabs him in broad and stabs him in broad daylight. Yeah. Um. Also, other, where did the driver get a knife to stab him in the throat? I don't. Yeah. The other Perlman isn't packing heat at all. He gets T-boned the car you know, goes over the road and into the beach and flips and tumbles a couple of times. And Perlman 
gets himself out. He's not carrying a gun or anything. Like his immediate move is get out of the car and just run. Like what? A we've already of- est- we've established that du- that's dumb, Jake. We gotta. <laughs> I know. But- we we gotta move on to the other dumb death. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he's not packing heat. He gets almost drowned, dies, and then we like drive off to the sunset. It's a weird way to end a film. Yeah, well, I'm talking about where he kills Albert Brooks in a parking lot. Oh, yeah, no, that's, oh, yeah. Like, Albert Brooks, all of a sudden, like, don't turn your back on Albert Brooks, man. You just found your friend dead. There was zero reason for that to happen, though. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just just take your money, man. Like, you, you're done. It's over. Like, your other uh-huh. friend's dead. He's not coming back. Ryan Gosling's about to leave town. Ryan Gosling doesn't give a shit about anyone. Doesn't matter. Take the million dollars. Live. Do some other shit. Like you don't have to. Also, lame as shit that he left the. That's a lame ending. Take the money. Leave the money. Yeah. I don't want it. I want to clean my hands of it. No. They don't know who well, you are. Yeah. Where is he gonna go? Is my question. Because we like he drives off to the sunset. Where does Ryan Gosling go? Ryan What's Gosling is wanted by the... He goes to jail. He's wanted by the cops. <laughs> he goes to jail. He goes... Well, Ryan I, Gosling you, goes to prison for double murder. If you believe that this is like a spiritual like prequel to Only God Forgives, then he goes to Thailand. And it makes a... You know, uh, uh, or if it's a spiritual prequel to Place Beyond the Pines, he gets a lot of tattoos and becomes a carny. <laughs> yeah. He probably so. just goes to In-N-Out. Gets a number one, yeah. extra sauce, and he then just goes home. Style. He but, slaps but, that animal style on its wound, on his wound. But what is he paying with? It. He could have had a million dollars, but he left it. What is he paying with? Yeah, how does Tooth he make pigs. money? What does he do? Because living in LA ain't cheap. It's not like he's doing it for free. I mean, and he doesn't seem to get paid a whole lot for any of these jobs. No, he we are for we are forgetting that he is a driver of crimes. Yeah, but yeah, like I mean. How much money is he getting for these? Because like he's just giving them the money back. And As, I mean that I just I hated I hated that I did actually really hate that where it's just like I don't want the money it's blood money I'll you know, leave it in the parking lot with a dead body no uh uh-uh. uh well it's also weird getting- because it goes against any sort of morals that he didn't have he was a crime driver like when does money become right. dirty to him. Because it involved Oscar Isaac's death, the man who was husband to the woman he kind of loved, that's when it became dirty. Yeah, fuck Oscar Isaac. You don't like that dude anyway. <laughs> like, you watch, you watch Christina Hendricks' head blow off. That's when it became dirty to you? Like, otherwise else, like, other people have died because you were a getaway driver. Like, when does this become bad money to you? And it's not like that money... It's not like all of a sudden he becomes a bad person for getting... He's not getting the girl because he keeps the money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Girl just yeah. saw you curb stomp a guy in an elevator and you left her in a parking lot. She doesn't want you anymore, man. Just take the money. Well, but the ending, she does go to his uh, door and knock on it. So does she want him? I this Okay. Diagnose this further. She has a problem. She definitely does. <laughs> Something is she seriously only has wrong with her. Hots for criminals. Uh, yeah, apparently, man, she, she was groomed she at an impressionable age, and she just never recovered. 
what do you think she's going to say to him? Because, like, the ending is he's driving out and she walks to his door and knocks on it. Obviously, he doesn't answer. What do you think she's going to say to him? Like, hey, by the way, last night was awkward. Watched you murder a man. His dead body's still in the elevator if you want to go see it because <laughs> nobody moved it. Um, so you want to get breakfast <laughs> or what's going on? Like, what is she really going to say to him? Like, I forgive that was you for hot. murdering a Can guy do in front again? of my face. <laughs> yeah, Texas, I, I like that looks. I like the way that your boot crushed that guy's skull. Are you gonna that was sexy. Though? That was sexy. Hey, you were like almost like a Joker ass. Like, hey, you were kind of nice to my kid. So let's see where this is going. Yeah, ugh, exactly. What in the end, Carrie Mulligan made all of this up in her head. <laughs> that would be great. Just dealing with the this fact is that a society. We live in a society where there's stunt drivers. This movie is Joker. <laughs> oh my god! I'm yeah. All right. Now that we've actually just chat on a movie that I love, uh, <laughs> thanks, Dex. Um, Hashtag one this take is down. Your, this is all your fault. Hashtag one take down. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> the okay. So I, I'll just share some of my notes. Um, Y'all can riff on these if you want to. Uh, I film nerd thing. I put the the colors are great, um, but it does look like it's a like an oversaturated Instagram photo at times, and it feels actually really 2011 because of that. Yeah, the scene where they're like doing the emergency bullet surgery on him, I was like, where did this lighting come from all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, the this is kind of like the intro into sort of like the indie blockbuster films where everything had to be lit by neon. I mean, everything's really kind of lit by fluorescent lights, but everything has to look Lens like... flare. Yeah, it's it's almost like, um, like those sort of like true crime noir movies, but everything has to be sort of like 80s looking where everything is lit by these like fluorescents and it's gritty and it doesn't look good, but it's also bright and dark and contrasty. Um, the best example of that is really only God forgives, which everything in that film is purple, neon purple. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get one of the, um, I forget what it was. You get like the Mayfair or you get like the Hudson filter when they're, uh, when they're driving on the Los Angeles river river, Around mm-hmm. all that trash, which hell of a date. Let's just take it to the polluted Los Angeles River. Um, <laughs> this is cool, right? Like, do you like me? Uh, <laughs> I drive around LA. Are we good now? Are we fine? What's going look, on? Look, there's dead fish. Oh, there's a dead body. Um, LA. I just put, yeah, I just put Ryan Gosling, maybe the most handsome person on the planet. Y'all don't have to say anything about that. I, that's He is. Just facts. Um, this is right before Brian Cranston was like mega famous, but also famous for uh, Breaking Bad. So like this is right before his come up. And I, I, found, I just found that really interesting that this was like one of the first first films that he and Christina Hendricks offered their fame in those huge. We forget how big those shows were those mm-hmm. huge AMC shows that this was sort of their first, one of their first projects, if I remember correctly. Um, um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Uh, just kind of interesting for me to look back on. 
I remember watching this and be like, oh yeah, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. That's like that's how I knew him because his Breaking Bad was like what 2012, 2013-ish. So like yeah, before that I knew Brian Cranston as the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. I thought I thought Breaking Bad uh, we're gonna have a Breaking Bad discussion, but like I thought Breaking Bad was like earlier than that. Breaking Bad or ended maybe, in twenty thirteen because it was my freshman year. Right. Okay. okay. So yeah, it came out in two thousand eight, and it really didn't start to pick up as much steam until like season two or three, which is around like when this came out. Oh yeah, um, it was oh wait so, thirteen. So that was my bad. Yeah, so it, it it is one, and and also, I mean, AMC was just on a heater. They, uh, Mad Men came out around uh, literally the same time. So uh-huh. it's it is kind of interesting that you have these two huge TV stars, um, because she was huge at the time too. Because everybody, I mean, she's hot, but like the so everybody was like in love with her coming out of of uh, Mad Men as well too, and she's a great actress, huh? Correct. Uh. Mm-hmm. I just put the fake news that was on the TV is hilariously fake. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks like it was filmed in a high school somewhere. Um, <laughs> we had no other locations. Yeah, exactly. Um, the guy, uh, he was walking around in, blo- in broad daylight in a bloody jacket. Um, it's LA. Yeah. I'm sure we can write that off as like, oh, he's an actor. I mean, or somebody was like, I like that style. That Kanye, like they're just like, <laughs> like I like it. It's all tattered and shit. How much you buy that for? Um, mean, that, that Scorpion. Slap a Supreme logo on that shit. It is three thousand dollars. I mean, people bought that Scorpion jacket in droves after this film came out. Yeah, I would. I would imagine. Um, I think they still probably sell it like at Urban Outfitters. Uh. I did put that like his jacket does get dirtier as the film goes on. Does that signify something? Probably because he's still wearing it all the time. But like uh-huh. that just seems like something I'm digging into a little bit more. I'm sure the intent was that it's metaphorical because he goes from just like a regular ass, you know, getaway driver to an actual murderer. But also, do we really need that in depth of a medical metaphorical analysis into him? I- Probably not. Honestly, it's very surface. It just needs to be surface level. Um, and then I, my funniest note that I feel like I took was uh, "laugh my ass off," Ron Perlman. Yeah, <laughs> basically, because it's like okay, you have a, you you have this Albert Brooks character, and he's like this kind of like he's kind of funny, and he's like witty, and he's really busting balls and everything. And then Ron Perlman walks in, and he's just this big, you like big easter island head looking guy like he just like he walks in and is just like what's up motherfuckers you're like oh shit ron perlman is this after hellboy yeah it it definitely it definitely is yeah what is hilarious about ron perlman in this is he's an upset jewish mobster playing across from albert brooks who is actually a jewish actor like we could have probably done a slight role reversal and had a slightly better antagonist in this film why does yeah, ron maybe. perlman have to I, be jewish when he's not selling it at all ron perlman is like john malkovich where he's just like he's so recognizable that you're just like you know who ron perlman and you're just like that's that's just ron perlman like you're just like just ron perlman uh, 
yeah, I don't know. Uh, he doesn't do anything hard in this movie at all. He really just kind of is there. But it, it's funny. It's just funny. I was just like, okay, Ron Perlman's hiding. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about Drive. Uh, anything else that y'all want to just add about this movie? Dex didn't like it. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not that I didn't like it. I just didn't like it as much as everyone else, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. I, I compared it to Ad Astra on Twitter. Where it's like, you know, I get oh, it. Damn. I yeah, understand yeah, why people like it. I just don't. But I get it. That, like, people be like, oh, you just don't understand, man. Like, oh, it's just such a good, like, meditation on, you know, fatherhood and, um, you know, what it means to be yeah. abandoned and all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. I just don't care. I don't like it that much. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, How about you use be- your brain one time, man? How about. Yeah, Dex. All cinema can't be amusement no. parks, man. Uh, oh, it can't be theme no. park. You you just want like you just want uh you just want like explosions and like yeah. uh like Superman and that you just want like 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 all that stuff. No. Uh huh. Is that Not what you? Not everything can be Captain Marvel, man. <laughs> like like the films that I like, please. Yeah. Uh. Like actual cinema, or I'm gonna yell at you. it's getting late we gotta we gotta wrap this up i i did have um jake do you have anything else on 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 drive no i will uh say that like it is a great film just from the cinematography standpoint um it's one of the first sort of films as we enter the new decade from like you know 2010 to now where you can use like really good digital cinematography and get cool angles. So this was one of the first mm-hmm. films that really introduced like minimal lighting and small cameras to really good, exciting looks. But yeah, otherwise else the story does get thin, but from a cinematography standpoint, it is great. Also really good filmmaking on a limited budget. And uh, mm-hmm. really, because that was when you was like, it was really starting to get where you either had to, uh, make an independent film or make a big blockbuster because nobody at that point they felt like nobody was actually going to see movies anymore so a very good uh, movie on a limited limited budget um and which I feel like you're gonna see more and more I wanted to maybe save this for Thursday but I feel like we can just go ahead and knock it out right now and we can do listener questions after uh, because I feel like we may talk about the invisible man for a while uh, on Thursday so mm-hmm. uh that is the uh, spoiler alert that's the movie that we're going to be seeing dex is going to break his horror uh no horror movie uh stride uh jake has already seen it um so i think we may do listener questions and have a long discussion about uh the invisible man maybe the first actual good like really good movie of 2020 is what people are saying except jake uh, jake is getting, not saying that Except yeah, except except the person on this podcast. What is going on? Can we all right? Uh, can we all not like good movies? Um, so I presented this question. Man, it's not a good movie. Uh, okay, all right, starting off hot. Coming uh, in hot. I'm coming in hot. Save that. Save it all for Thursday. Um, I, I presented this question just because I was bored uh, the other day on Twitter. I said, "What is the most awkward movie?" Uh, you took a date to or convinced a group of friends to see and we actually got a few good uh, responses sometimes you throw this stuff against the wall and and with a limited number of 
Twitter followers like we have, uh, uh-huh. you don't get a lot. But I, I retweeted it so I can tell you my story and we can read some of these off. Uh, we'll give you a longer podcast today because we didn't have uh, one uh, last. We only had one last week. So this is what I put. Uh, again, what is the worst or most awkward movie you took a date to or convinced a group of friends to see? I, I said in high school, I took my girlfriend to see The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and oh. Contagion. Uh, oh. I didn't read the plot for either. Uh, oh. Awareness level zero. Madden awareness level zero on my part. Um, and if you've seen The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, you know exactly why that isn't a great date material, especially for 16-year-olds. And this is the the Swedish or Danish the non-American version one, right? No, no, no. This is the American one, the David Fincher one. That okay. Was, it actually made a lot okay. of money and like got some critical e- praise. And it was, by all intents and purposes, a very good movie. There is just some heavy adult content that you are not ready for at 17, 16 years no. old. I mean, big yikes. And also Contagion, which we may have to go back over. Uh, Relevant. Not a mood booster. I I will say that for uh, teenagers. I just left the theater being like, I just need to wash my hands. I I don't even shower. Hug my demon. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even want to like hold hands with my girlfriend. I just like I need to just (laughs) need some Purell. So, yeah, those are the two movies interrogate her like have you been to china recently what's going on which man now that movie's looking more and more like with all the things that we see in the news and like more and more like there was like a thing where like that was like the most watched movie on netflix once coronavirus started like showing up in the headlines yeah it makes makes a lot of sense uh dex you had one um which is actually just there's not a big story behind it but it's just kind of funny yeah, it's mine wasn't like super awkward or anything like that. It was just a pretty bad movie. It was the Ghostbusters reboot. Um, oh yikes! Yeah, we had no idea what we were getting into. First date, we went to Chick Fil A because we we're cheap, broke college students at the time. And uh, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with it. Hey, we went to Chick Fil A, had a good time, talked for like two hours, and then we were like, "Let's go watch this new Ghostbusters movie. It should be hilarious. Melissa McCarthy's in it. Whatever." So yeah, we did that, and it was not good. And then there was no second date. No, <laughs> oh, no, no second date. The new Ghostbusters did not get like, or was it because like you didn't like y'all's Chick Fil A orders didn't match? It might have oh, yeah. been that I went with the chicken strips over the nuggets. Oh, I don't know, bro. You gotta go nuggets. What are you doing? No, with the though. I like. I think you get more value out of the strips, though. Do you? They marinate the strips. The strips are better. Also, in Waco, you can get spicy strips now. Like I know you probably couldn't get that back in 2015, but I don't. I'm with the strips. She, yeah, nuggets are too small. You you get more value out of the strips. I I fight me on that. I promise. But yeah, we're still friendly Uh, to this day, so that's good. But yeah, no more dates. Oh man, you hate uh, you hate to see Chris and Wig ruining dates for people. You hate to see it. Do you have a? I mean, and I said worst or most awkward. That's probably both. But like, um, college. Uh, uh my now 
girlfriend, I, I took Caitlin to see uh, Fury on our second date. Ooh. The Brad Pitt masterpiece, which it's not a bad movie or anything, but it's just like not a date movie either. <laughs> just zero percent of date movies. Just like so much violence, an exorbitant amount of violence. So that was uh, fun taking a girl I hardly knew to go see that, but it worked. And here you are now. And here we are and now. Here Jake, do you, you have are one? now? Uh, no, not really. And that's Jake has never seen a bad movie. I've never seen a bad movie. Um, except for no, the Invisible so Man. My, <laughs> so for like the first sort of, <laughs> except for the Invisible Man, that's it. I'll talk about it next week. Um, no, the only one that came to mind is the first sort of movie I ever saw with my now wife is fourth and newest indiana jones movie and that was oh yuck it wasn't like the first time ever was like this is a terrible movie but i remember it like leaving that movie not even excited that i was on like a first date but just going like that was a terrible film like we need to talk (laughs) about this like screw this first date and like finding a second one screw that we're in high school this is a terrible film we need to talk about this actually i think i was in college but that (laughs) <laughs> that movie was so bad that it just ruined your time. It did. So yeah, it came out in 2008. So I was a junior and she was a senior in high school, but I remember that being our first date and leaving it and be like, that movie was bad. Like that is a bad <laughs> movie. We should talk about this. We should bond over this. We should actually get married. You want to get married? <laughs> I'm 17 right now. Do you want to get married? Because this movie was so bad. Like our um, mutual hatred of this, of this, the only other one the only other one is that like so we both went off to college and and did whatever but um when my my now wife and i like reconnected after college we went and saw looper which apparently is a well-received film and i think we should do a takeout of it i don't because i think like the time travelness of it all is is just dumb and, and and wacky but that's another film like she and i saw like i think kind of like as our first date reconnecting and i remember leaving that film too being like that wasn't good what what has <laughs> happened like that that's a time travel film with a very like relevant joseph gordon levitt and of course bruce willis it wasn't good i like that movie um moving on <laughs> uh so these are some of the responses that we got. Of course, um, FX underscore butterfly, B-U fly butterfly uh, on Twitter. Uh, thank you for retweeting all of, and liking all of our stuff. You have been a great fo- uh, follower for you us. You are keeping us alive. We have a stand, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, she, yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, she You're keeping she, my but, personal account alive, so thank you for that as well. Um, they said uh, Vanilla Sky... 2001 yeah if i had went alone to see it i would have walked out but then they say like i did for patch adams what they're saying they walked out of patch adams they walked out of patch adams didn't walk out of vanilla sky but said it was the most awkward movie that they had worst or most awkward movie they had seen on a date or something like that um but they actually have a different answer sorry i just thought of this but keep going um, Bayloretta 
Shout out to the god. Shout out, Rachel. The God. She said, uh, saw the proposal. She was actually the first one to respond to, to respond to this. She said, saw the proposal with my very conservative mother-in-law, including the Ramon stripper scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, classic rom-com cinema. I, I said, I said, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I can ju- I can only imagine that reminded me of the time that me me and my mom were uh, out shopping for like school clothes or something. They're like, we never saw movies together, and she was like, do you want to just go see a movie? And I was like, sure, we'll just we'll go see whatever's on. So we went and saw Yes Man, and if you haven't seen Yes Man, Ooh. yep, there is a overt blowjob scene in that movie. Uh-huh. Big yes. With an old woman. Oh no. What the yeah. hell? I saw that in the I like I couldn't have like I could have couldn't have gotten out of that movie theater fast. Like I wanted to light the whole place on fire and like run out of there. It was ugh. I'll never forget that. Um Derek Foltz, friend of the pod, came on uh, a few podcasts ago. I think you should download that rate subscribe listen uh he said a friend convinced a group of us to go see zoolander 2 together she never oh. showed up and we were subjected <gasps> to what is easily my least favorite movie <laughs> oh damn uh that's fun. that's funny and i guess one of his friends replied and just said this was terrible shout out to that girl that was just that ghosted them evil <laughs> mastermind them in the worst movie she knew what they were getting into, and she decided to duck out. That's really funny. I just, <laughs> I just said you now have to challenge her to a walk off. Uh, that's them's the rules. Uh, my uncle Tim Sasser, shout out, uh, big movie fan, and uh, I think he follows us. So I'm sorry, but um, he said, and this one I think wins. He said, basic instinct. Set up oh, on a blind shit. date. Yeah, set up oh, on a no. blind date. Uh, was told we had to get there for the opening scene. There was no second date. Oh, man. <laughs> that's tough. That is. That is. That's I, not a date film. <laughs> I mean, I can think. I cannot think of a. I cannot think of a worse film to like. You have to be there for the opening scene on a blind date, no less. Like, where are you taking me? What did you take me to see? Oh no! Like that's not good. Yeah, that's so that that's so unfortunate. I feel so, Uncle Tim. I feel so bad for you. That's so bad. Um, Shout out, Uncle Tim. Very sorry for you on that on that date, man. Yeah. Um, Hunter Huell said, um, if I'm pronouncing your last name wrong, I'm sorry. But he said took a date to see This Is the End. Did not realize the level that the movie was going to be at. A couple of my best friends happened to be there and were laughing their heads off while my date never cracked a smile. Meanwhile, I'm in purgatory between the two. So this is actually my answer now that like I sat and thought about it for two seconds. Bit of a backstory. So my senior year at Baylor, I was there during the summer. I took a summer class where we made a bunch of films and whatnot. And at the end of it, um, our professor was like, hey, to celebrate the end of the summer semester, let's go see a film or something. Everybody chose This Is The End. And so the whole class of like 12 people took my professor. And this was like after we had like a a celebration dinner where like 
thank yous were passed around. Like, our professor wrote, like, cards to all of us, thanking us for all the hard work. Like, it was very personal and heartfelt. He brought his wife and his, like, I think his son was, at the time, like, 10 to this film. Oh, no. I think by the time, like, the apocalypse happened, I think by the time we got to Emma Watson, my professor, his wife, and their child all walked out of the film. And I remember watching them leave the theater and going, this was a mistake. This is not good. <laughs> Thank God they didn't get to the demon portion where we saw a big swinging dick. <laughs> I, that's so much worse than this poor guy that went there on a date because that is just like, you have to see that professor again. What's lucky is I, I, I don't, I didn't really actually ever see that professor again. I, I wrote him an email a, a little while later, like thanking him for, his time with us but i that is a memory that will always live with me it's just watching this man and his wife and his child leaving a theater and going oh this was a mistake for all of us i mean there is like i mean that is i i i told this guy i said look that movie's hilarious i don't care what that movie's really funny so if she didn't i think it's i really do think it's it didn't make a ton of money, which is really funny, but I think it's really underrated. I think it's one of the funnier comedies that that group of like uh, Seth Rogen clan has ever put out. And mm-hmm. um, just because it's dumb, like it's really just dumb and funny. And I, I said, look, that's their problem if they don't laugh at it now, <laughs> because that's I mean, that's fun. It's just a funny movie now. But I will say it is a lot. <laughs> And for you to have your 10-year-old kid in there, uh, that's even more of like, you know his wife was burning a hole in the side of his head. Like, where did you take, you know, like. Yeah. Oh, my God. Where did you take our son? Like, that's that's so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. I, that's so funny. Um, all right. So, two more. Uh, actually, three more. Uh, real quick. Doug Hughes says, uh, skin deep on the first date. Uh. Ooh. And then um, Adam Ferguson uh, says, when we dragged uh, Philip Robledo to see Dumb and Dumber 2 on his visit to Sagu, uh, still feel bad about that one. So sorry to that person, but I did put that it is not as bad as Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Sure. That movie is so offensive. Um <laughs> Go back and watch that, or don't, because you don't have to. It's not great. Um, and that's that's Jeff Daniels coming off of Newsroom, which is a highly acclaimed TV series on HBO. Yeah, uh, Golden Globes oh, and everything. Why, and just why do that? Why do huge, that? Huge paychecks, that's why. I guess. Um, and then my sister, Brittany uh, Whitaker, says, um, my husband took a college date... Uh, to see good luck chuck needless to say they didn't go on a second date i low-key no sorry i don't care about that film sorry there's uh there's another dane cook film that i like with it's jessica simpson they work at like a costco that's what i was thinking of employee of the month that yeah that one that one i love yeah that shepherd's not good yep 
I think Good Luck Chuck was supposed to be his big vehicle too, and it was like supposed to be his big rated R comedy, and it just tanked, and it made, and it like has like a thirteen percent on like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. I remember being, yeah, that's one of Jeff's album in it, and they try to play, pass off Dan Cook as this like sex symbol where he just has a like a harem of of women, and. uh that's the one where and, he has sex with them and then they like immediately marry someone, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Like he, he he sleeps with them and then the next person that they date, they get married to, which is Yeah, like not sexist premise. at all or not not sexist, not sexist at all or anything like that and it just um Yeah. I just want to say if you took a woman to see that on a date you didn't deserve a second one. Like you, you should have known. You should have known. Shout out, if you take, shout if you out take Brandon, my brother-in-law. Toward, if you take out anybody to see a Dane Cook film, shame on you. Shame on you. Just ghost her, man. Just, just ghost her. Well, look, hey, man. I, two thousand and seven was a weird time. It wasn't that weird. It wasn't. Two thousand seven was a weird time. Dane Cook was the highest-selling comic, like ever. Next to like Jeff Foxworthy, 2007 is a weird time. I don't like that truth, so I will not accept it. <laughs> yeah, I will accept that, that as a fact. That fact is that inconvenient reality. to me, and I do not accept it. All right, we're going to just hot take. Dane Cook, at the time, funny. Sorry, hot Agreed. take. At Agreed, the time, but- very funny. Because also, I was in fifth grade. <laughs> Yeah, I was like a freshman in high school in 2007, so anything he said was like the funniest shit in my life. Okay, the who farted joke, hilarious at the time, but you know, we were children, it happens. Just screams into the mic. And uh, yeah, shout out Danko, what a weird time. Tap out shirts and circle in in arena theaters was like just... Just selling out arenas. I feel like anyway. we've mentioned Dane Cook an absurd amount of times for a podcast that started in 2020. This I feel like this is the only time we've ever mentioned Dane we Cook. We have mentioned Dane Cook before. I am not tripping. I, I know that we no. have. No. When have we mentioned have we? Dane Cook? I don't remember, but it's come up before. Oh, oh, we mentioned Dane Cook because he was in Dan in real life. Oh, yeah. yeah I was about to say, like, were we talking about Mr. Smith, the uh, Kevin Costner's a serial killer for some reason movie. Yeah, he was in that weirdly. I don't. Dude is dude has had a strange life. Also got married to like a nineteen year old, and he's like forty five. So yeah, his yeah. twenty twenty Dan Cook is not doing well. Yeah, I don't know. He has more money than we'll ever have, but he also got half of it stolen by like his brother in law or something like that, which is crazy. Um, well, he stole half of his joke, so. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um, but in the end, he stole him from a bad person in Louis C.K. So are we that? <laughs> All right. All right. This we're, is back, we're back to drive. Like, is stealing from the mob really that bad? Exactly. We're going in circles. All right. That has been uh, One Take Podcast, episode 10. Um, actually, I wanted to present this to y'all. We need, 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 because I know there are more people listening to this than are actually rating and subscribing to us on iTunes. Most of our user base is on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. 
the if you download, rate, and subscribe, show us a picture of your written review, five star review. We will let you pick the next one takedown. Oh hell yeah! Tweet us at one take pod at the number one take pod with a picture of your written five-star review. You can roast us. You can say whatever you want about us. You can Mm -hmm. say that my voice is monotonous and I sound like the guy from the Flonase commercials or whatever. Um, No, Vising commercial. Flonase is Antonio Banderas. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, You can say he doesn't know what he's talking about. You can say I don't know what I'm talking about. You can say our movie takes are garbage. You can say... uh, Dex has no taste. Um, you can say agreed. You can say <laughs> <laughs> you can say his Twitter takes are garbage. We can just go on and on with how garbage we are. But as long as you rate us five star garbage and show us a screenshot at one take pod, uh, you will get to pick our next one takedown. And if we have multiple, then we have multiple, and that's what we will do. But we need those subscriptions ratings and reviews we appreciate that very very much you can follow us on one take pod on twitter i already said that you can email us at one take podcast at gmail dot one take podcast show at gmail.com you can uh find us on apple spotify google podcast and Simplecast. um and uh yeah rate download subscribe that is what we need from you this week we are wrapping up uh, the, this week with the invisible man. So go see that. That will be, uh, hopefully on Thursday. We will see that. So anything else, Dex, uh, hit him with a hashtag. Hashtag support Florence Pugh, baby. The marmalade queen. I don't have anything else. Uh, come on the pod, Florence Pugh. We out. <laughs>